I want to continue our series on the Holy Spirit, but I want to um, I want to go to an Old Testament story. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 37, and I want us to go there. And I want to read um, Ezekiel 37 and verse number 1, and we're going to go through verse 10. So if you have your Bible, your uh, smart device, or look at the screen, I want you to follow along with me. And the Bible says this, that the hand of the Lord was upon me. This is Ezekiel speaking. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. And it was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. The bones that were there were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. And I will put breath in you or spirit in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Here's what God is saying. God is saying that which is dead, that which is dry, that which is divided. I'm going to breathe my spirit. I'm going to pour my spirit upon that and it will raise back to life. How many of you know that we serve a God who can take dead things and bring them back to life again? But God when God established, I'm not reading scripture yet, but let me just interject something here. When God established man to live on this earth, God created uh, man with partnership in mind. In other words, when God said, let them, speaking of Adam, when God said, let them have dominion over the earth, God said, I'm going to partner with humanity and what I'm going to do on earth is not going to be independent of man, but it will be through man. And so God created us to partner with him to bring about his purpose in the earth. Now he's sovereign, he's God, he can do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it. But God locked himself into his word. Heaven and earth are going to pass away. But his word is going to remain throughout all eternity. And so God locked himself into his word when he said, I'm going to partner with man. And so if we we're going to see the change that we so desperately desire and need, God says, I'm going to have to work through you. We're going to have to be a part of the change. Do you understand what I'm saying here? And in other words, you can't just say, oh, God, what are you doing? God's looking down at us and saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are my people doing? I've given you authority. I've given you power. I've given you dominion. 
What are you doing in my name? Verse 7 says, so I prophesied. In other words, Ezekiel, you have a part in raising these dead bones. And so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Verse 8, I looked, and the tendons and the flesh appeared on them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath nor spirit in them. Then he said to me, prophesy, prophesy to the breath, prophesy to the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath, spirit, from the four winds and breathe on these slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and stood on their feet a vast army. Father, I thank you and praise you for the word that you've given us today. And Lord, I thank you for the partnership that you have brought us into. And I ask God that you would use us in a mighty way. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. And everyone said, Amen. Now, in this story, God gives Ezekiel, his prophet, a vision of a graveyard. He took him out over a graveyard, and he gives him this vision. And there are three things that are represented in this vision as it pertains to the nation of Israel. First of all, they were divided as a nation. The southern and the northern kingdoms were divided. There, there was division among them. Second, they were a defeated army. They were a defenseless army. Third, they were a disconnected and displaced people. This prophecy was given to Ezekiel to speak to the nation of Israel when they were in Bab uh, Babylonian captivity. And so they weren't even in their homeland at this time. They were in captivity. They were bound. They were divided. They were uh, defeated, and they were a disconnected people. And then he asked them, he asked the prophet this question, can these bones live again? In other words, can I reunite this nation? Can I unify this people? Can I take these bones and can I make these bones live again? The word live here in the Hebrew means to recover. It means to restore. And it means to make whole again. Can I cause Israel to recover? Can I restore everything that they've lost? And can I make them a whole nation, one again? Can I take the remains of the shattered, broken pieces of a nation and put it back together again? Can I unite that which is divided? Can I re reconnect that which is disconnected? 
Can I take the skeleton pieces of your life, the broken pieces, that which remains after a battle that you have gone through, can I take those pieces of your life and can I put it all back together again? This is what God is asking his prophet. And when I read this story, and some of you are already faking it, but when I read this story, I couldn't help but to think about our nation, our cities, our community, and even our churches across this land. We have people that have lost their jobs by the millions. And so the question is, can they recover? We've, we've had businesses that have lost everything. And so the question is, can they be restored. We have churches and ministries that have had to adapt and adopt new things in order to remain as a forefront in our communities and in our nation. And so can our churches help pick up the broken pieces of people's lives and help put lives back together again? As a nation, we're hurting. As a nation, we are wounded. As a nation, we are divided. But can we be made whole again as a people? When Ezekiel was asked the question, Ezekiel gave him the political answer. Well, Lord, you know. In other words, he doesn't take a side. He just stays in the middle. And so... It was a simple yes or no question. Can these bones live again? Yes or no? Can they live again? And he just skirts around the answer to the question. Lord, you know. Because Ezekiel is looking at this valley. And how many of you know it doesn't get any worse than a graveyard full of dead, scattered, dry bones? I mean, how in the world can you do anything with a skeleton of that which was? Isn't it too far gone? I mean, if they're in the grave, isn't it too far gone? I mean, there's absolutely no way possible that they can recover from this, right? And I can tell you right now, with man, it is impossible, but how many of you know we're not dealing with just man? Because if it was just, that's okay, give him praise. If it was just left up to us, there's no way that, that it could be brought back together. But how many of you know that it is possible with God? Because all things are possible to those who believe. As a matter of fact, Abraham made, not as a question, but as a declaration, Abraham made the statement of fact, is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for God? I don't care how dead it is. 
I don't care how divided it is. I don't care how dry it might be. There's nothing too hard for the God that we serve. Can these bones live again, Ezekiel? And let me just give you the answer. The answer is yes. Emphatically, it is yes. Can your business live again? Yes. Can you recover? Yes. Can you get back on your feet? Yes. Can this nation be united again? Yes. Can God meet us in our cities again? Yes. Can our churches be brought to the forefront again? Yes. If you believe that right now, everybody in this room shout yes. And those of you that are joining us online, church, go ahead and type in the comment section. Yes, he can. And yes, he will. Take a 20-second praise break and give God praise right here. Come on, somebody. I feel something in this place today. The Bible said that the hand of the Lord came upon him. The hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel. In the Old Testament, when you see the term, the hand of the Lord, it was referencing the Spirit of God resting upon an individual. Now, we have a greater covenant with God because God's Spirit doesn't just rest on us. God's Spirit lives in us. We are the tabernacle of God. So in the Old Testament, thank you all the way back there. God bless you. I I heard you. I heard you. So, So in the Old Testament, what would happen is the Spirit of the Lord would come, the hand of the Lord would come upon some, I like you guys right here. Reserve their seats right here. Um, <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord would come upon, like Elijah, the Bible said, the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he outran Ahab's chariots. Um, the hand of the Lord, the hand of the Lord came upon uh, Samson, and the Bible said he took the jawbone of a donkey and slew a thousand Philistines. David, the hand of the Lord, came upon David, and he slew Goliath. And so when the hand of the Lord came upon Ezekiel, he was letting him know that Ezekiel, it's not by might, and it's not by strength, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord. And so it's not going to be done with the might of us, uh, the, collective, uh, uh, the collectiveness of us. It's not going to be done in our own strength, but it will be done by the Spirit of God that lives inside of us, church. So the answer is God says, my Spirit is going to make this happen. My spirit that rests in you is going to make this happen. And so what we cannot do is we cannot look at our situation from a natural standpoint. Because if you look at this from a natural standpoint, we are limited. We're limited in our strength. We're limited in our ability. We're limited in our wisdom. We're limited in time. We're limited with resources. That's why God pulled Ezekiel out of the natural and put him into the spirit. 
He had to move him from a realm of limitation to a realm without limits. We used to sing a song, Take the Limits Off. Any of you remember that? Two of you. All right, but anyway, we used to sing a song, Take the Limits Off. And that's what God was doing. He was taking the limits off. He was removing the limitation that Ezekiel saw in the situation. He said, it's not going to be done by the strength of of humanity, but it's going to be done through my spirit working through you. Take the limits off of God. Come on, online church. I want you to just type that in right now. Take the limits off. And God is telling us right now, quit looking at natural things and get your eyes on him. Get your eyes looking to what he can do, not what's going on around you. The spirit is not limited. There are no limits to what God can do. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, one of my favorite scriptures, the Bible says, now unto him who is able. That's all you have to do is stop right there. How many of you know he's able? I said he is able. Now unto him who is able. If you don't hear anything else today, know that God's able. Know that God's able to raise that dead thing. Know that God's able to put things back together. Know that God is able to breathe new life into dead situations. Know that God is able. Just look at your neighbor and tell him he is able. Able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to his power that is working within us. God is able. Say, he's able. God is able. The only time God is limited, remember he works with us. The only time God is limited is when we are full of doubt and unbelief. Jesus said this about his hometown. He said, I can't do miracles in my hometown because they don't see me the way that they should see me. And they don't understand that when you carry doubt and unbelief, it limits what I can do. And so when I say take the limits off, what I'm saying is we got to get rid of doubt and we have to get rid of unbelief. Listen, natural eyes see problems. Spiritual eyes see promises. You might want to write that down. Natural eyes see the problem. Spiritual eyes see the promise. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. We'll say it for the third time. We walk by faith and not by sight. Most of the time, we walk by sight. Most of the time, we walk by sight rather than by faith. And when you walk by sight, your faith is undeveloped. You lack spiritual insight on the things of God. So Paul comes along in Ephesians 1 and 18, and Paul prays, and he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. The eyes of your heart, your knower, your spirit would be enlightened. 
The word enlightened here is fatizo. It's where we get the word photo. How many of you know, Heather knows this, that <laughs> pictures are developed in the dark, in the dark room. So when God wants to develop your faith, guess where he puts you? In the dark. Because we walk by and not by. And so when God gets ready to develop your faith, my faith, the faith of a nation, the faith of a church, he will put us in the dark. In other words, we don't see God moving. We don't feel God moving. But we have to trust God that in his development process, when we come out of this thing, the picture is going to be very clear. And so right now, you may not see what's going on. Right now, you may see the exact opposite of what you've been believing God for, but you're still in that dark season, and God is still developing some things. And I'm telling you, when God is done developing you and me and his church, when we come back out of this thing, we're going to see more clearly, and we're going to understand what God is doing because God is working for our good and not our bad. I got to hurry. Let me just give you a little test here. Let me, let me just give you a little test to, to see if you're walking by faith or if you're walking by sight. If you are weighed down with worry and doubt and unbelief, if your mind is constantly focused on the problem rather than the promise, then you are walking by sight. And so you have to turn your walk around. So how do I turn the walk around from sight to faith? Well, you start focusing on your promise rather than your problem. So if you're going to start walking by faith, you have to get that picture in your spirit, un your, your under the light, enlightened, understanding. You have to get that picture in your spirit of what you are believing God for. And so, so focus on the promise, not the problem, and you have to turn your worry into worship. You have to turn your worry into worship. The devil would love for us to spend every single moment of our day worrying, wondering, doubting, because it's nullifying and canceling what God has promised us. And so you have to turn that worry. Whenever you feel yourself going in that vein, whenever you feel yourself going down that road, you got to turn around. You got to start worshiping. You got to start magnifying and glorifying the Lord. David put it this way, Psalm 34 and verse 3. He said, Magnify the Lord with me. Come, let us exalt his name together. How many of you know that we are stronger together? We are more powerful together, right? And so let us come and magnify his name together. You have to minimize the negative and maximize the positive. When you, when you, when you exalt the name of Jesus, you minimize the negative and you maximize the positive just by turning worry into worship. It's as simple as that. So you have to get a worshiping spirit about yourself. What do I mean by exalting his name? What did David mean by exalting his name? You have to put his name above 
every other name. Isn't that what the Bible says anyway? That his name is above all names. And so his name is above this virus. His name is above this economic state that we're in. His name is above hate. Come on, somebody. His name is above depression. His name is above fear, right? If you're going to get through this, you've got to exalt his name, not your problem. Exalt him and not what you're going through. If you want to live a victorious life, you have to learn this principle. Listen. If you don't like what you're seeing, I'm going to give you something right here that's worth you coming and worth you watching me right now. If you don't like what you are seeing, change what you're saying. Life and death are where? The power of your tongue. God framed this world how? By he let there be and there was, right? Let there be, and there was. What you say is what you get. So if you get up in the morning, you say, things are never going to work out for me. Things are never going to change. It's always going to be like this. I'm always going to be defeated. My mom was defeated. Her mom was defeated. This whole thing. If you wake up every morning, if you go throughout your day saying those things, guess what? That's what you are going to get. And if you want to change what, what you're seeing, you're going to have to change what you're saying. This is where God brings his prophet. Watch me now. This is where God brings his prophet. And look at verse number four with me again. Then he said to me, I've showed you how bad it is. I've given you a picture of where it is. But now what I want you to do, Ezekiel, is I want you to prophesy to these bones. And I want you to say to these dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. When is the last time? When is the last time you looked at your problem and you said, hear the word of the Lord? When's the last time you looked at your situation and told your situation, you are not going to control me? I'm going to put you under my feet. Hear the word of the Lord. Listen, church, you have got to get to the place where you begin to pray your promise, not your problem. Pray your promise, not your problem. Listen, if you spend three-fourths of your prayer time talking about your problem, you're missing it. I'm going to show you how to deal with your problem in a minute. But you have to pray your promise. And then you have to prophesy your future. I just said it a minute ago. If you don't like what you see right now, change what you're saying. Because God said, this is the way it is, Ezekiel. But if you want to change what you see, Ezekiel, you're going to have to change what you're saying. I want you to begin to prophesy to these bones and let these bones know who's in charge. Listen, church, anything in your life that is dead, divided, dry, anything in your life that is out of order, because bones speak of structure, 
forth and they speak of order. Before you can get back on your feet, you have to have order. You have to have structure. Anything that is anything that is not lining up with the will of God, which is the word of God, you have to begin to prophesy to that thing and let that thing know, I'm not going to prophesy what I'm feeling, but I'm going to prophesy the word of the Lord. And when I speak the word of the Lord, the picture is going to change. Come on, if you believe that, shout yes in this building right now, because I have three more minutes and I need you to help me right here. This is why the Bible says, let the weak say that I am strong. Let the poor say that I am rich. So if you feel defeated today, you have to start, you have to start prophesying that you are victorious. If you feel fearful today, you have to start prophesying that I am more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me. If you have lack this morning, you have to start prophesying, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. If you feel restless this morning, you have to start prophesying, I have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. If there is sickness in your body today, you have to start prophesying, by his stripes, I am healed. I am healed. You have to prophesy the word of the Lord. Do you know what prophecy is? Prophecy is simply that which is to come. That's prophecy. Prophecy is simply what is to happen in the future. And so when I'm telling you to prophesy, what I'm telling you is you can change what is to come and you can change what your future looks like if you'll just get a revelation from God's word. If you'll just get one revelation from God's word, I'm telling you right now, you can change your situation. Rather than agreeing with the devil, rather than agreeing with the negativity, why don't you start agreeing with God and agree with his word and watch and see what God will do. I close with this, second closing. Jesus said, if you have a mountain in front of you, a problem, a circumstance, a situation that's blocking you from your promise, something that's hindering and restricting you. Jesus said, you have to start speaking to that mountain. Jesus didn't say, now listen to this. Jesus did not say, you have to pray about your mountain. He didn't say that. He said, you have to speak to your mountain. This is where we miss it. We take our mountain and we bring it to God and we're praying about it. And God is saying, take that mountain out of my throne and start speaking to that because I've given you the power. I've given you the authority. I've given you the dominion over it. You come to my throne and you start declaring my promises. You start decreeing my word. You start prophesying my will for your life. You start speaking those things and that mountain will begin to be dissolved before you. Listen, problems you can either create or move the mountain you have with your mouth. I just said something. You can create or move your mountain with your mouth. Look at your neighbor and tell him, watch your mouth. 
Come on, I give, I'm, some of you have been wanting to do that all week. <laughs> watch your mouth. My mama used to tell me that all, watch your mouth. Whew. And I'd get smart about it. I'm, I can't see my mouth, you know. All those goofy things. <laughs> I just lost the anointing right there, didn't I? Just went out the room. Let me give you this. Mark, Mark 11.23. Mark 11.23 says this. For truly I say to you, say me. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say me. So truly I say to Dave. Whoever says, not the preacher, not the prophet, not the spiritual elite, whatever that means, whoever says, how many whoever's are in the room? Wave at me, a couple of you. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed, thrown into the sea, and does not what? Doubt in his heart, but believes what he, what? Help me. <clears throat> what he says but believes what he or she says. Guess what? It will come to pass. What will come to pass? He will have whatever he says. That's powerful. You will have whatever you say. So if it's been negative, 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 guess what you're going to have? Whatever you say. Whatever you've been saying, that's what's being produced in your life. Well, these kids, they're good for nothing. They're worthless. They're never going to amount to anything. Help us, Jesus. And then when they're 40 years old, you wonder why they're good for nothing, never amounted to anything. Ooh, it's quiet. You will have whatever you say. So before we can get these bones back up on its feet, and we will, we're going to have to change what we're saying. Come on. Because we all have a tendency to lean more towards the negative than the positive. Right? This is how the news makes a living. <laughs> By propagating negativity. I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm going to get on a horse, but I need to. I'm telling you right now, if you fill your week with that junk of negativity, lies, yeah, I said it. If you fill your week with, and then wonder why your spirit feels so polluted? <laughs> you can't spend 15 minutes with God and 167 hours in negativity and expect to live a positive, spirit-filled life. It doesn't work that way. I need you to stand. I need you to stand to your feet. We're going to get these bones back on their feet again. This thing's going to come back together again. You believe that? You believe these things are going to come back together? You believe God's able? I'm just asking, do you believe God's able? You believe He's able? I believe He's able. 
Your assignment, my assignment this week is to look at that problem, is to look at that mountain, is to look at that situation. And maybe, maybe you are looking over a valley right now and, and, and maybe you're like, I, I don't see how this, you're going to have to quit looking through the natural lens. Start looking through the eyes of faith. God, enlighten my eyes. Develop my faith in this process. Help me to see what you you are doing. And Lord, I'm going to magnify you. And when I magnify you, my problems are going to be minimized. been feeling this in my spirit all day yesterday. All day yesterday, I just couldn't get away from it. And the unrest that we see in our nation right now, what we see going on in our cities and on our streets right now, this thought just kept coming to me. This thought was like, it was almost, I felt impressed of the Lord. That the enemy's going to have his hour. He's going to have his time. But then the church is going to emerge from this valley. (laughs) I'm getting ahead of myself. But the church is going to emerge from this valley like a mighty army. Like a mighty army. Listen to me, online church, like a mighty army. And revival is not going to happen within the confines of this facility. But I sense in my spirit that revival will hit our city streets. I prophesied this, and I'm over time, but I prophesied this probably, I was in Beckley, some of you were there. But I I saw this in the spirit. I saw the stadiums that are now empty. I saw Christians having crusades. Entire cities coming to those, those stadiums. Because our churches were not big enough to house the move of God that was coming. I'm trying to get you to hear me what I'm saying and I believe what the Spirit is saying that we're going to see a takeover but it's going to be by the Spirit of God in our cities and in our communities and we're not going to be confined. Maybe that's why God stopped all of this so that we could just look beyond meeting in a building and understand that the church is not limited to a building but we'll set up camp outside and have revival wherever the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. And I prophesy that when I speak that over this community and I speak that over this region and I speak that over this state 
And I speak that over this United States. I told you it doesn't take some super duper. It just takes someone with a little bit of faith who can decree and declare the word of God. God, we speak over this nation right now. We speak to this civil unrest and we bind it in the name of Jesus. We ask God that your spirit will begin to breathe afresh and anew on us. And instead of the fires of destruction that we see in our cities, I pray the fire of the Holy Spirit would begin to move upon our cities. I wish somebody would agree with me in this room that the fire of the Holy Spirit would burn in our communities and burn in our cities and start with us, Lord, and start with us. Let it be in Jesus' holy and mighty and powerful name. How many believe this week in your life is going to be different?